Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Blue Shirts on Broadway. This is episode number seven, and I'm your host, Will. Today we'll be breaking down uh, the four games that occurred over the past week, uh, most of them on the West Coast, so hopefully everyone got some sleep and didn't have to stay up and watch some of the garbage games that occurred. Um, but the Rangers only accrued three points uh, out of those four games this week, which just isn't good enough, and it's a trend that's been occurring over the past month or so, with the team only winning four games in the month of January up until this point. So with that said, we'll dive deep into some of the issues and topics that have been plaguing this group, uh, at least from my point of view, and kind of understanding the trend of play that has been occurring, which isn't good enough to be a playoff team and win playoff-style hockey games. Uh, So with that said, let's jump right into the episode and have some fun with it. Okay, so we're going to uh, start this episode off here uh, all the way back to a game last weekend against Los Angeles in Los Angeles uh, in which the Rangers uh, lost 2-1. to one. Uh, It was a game where L.A. comes in only winning one in their last 11, I believe. So uh, two teams trending in the wrong direction for sure. Uh, and a game in which the Rangers had a chance to use as a get-right game to... Uh, try to change up their fortunes here a little bit against another struggling team after getting pretty much embarrassed in Las Vegas uh, a couple nights previous. So uh, that's kind of the goal coming into this LA game when you're looking at it on paper. Uh, Two teams that are kind of struggling defensively, struggling to score goals, uh, and you're looking to uh, have a game in which you take advantage of an opponent that's probably not playing their best. Unfortunately, that's uh, not how this game ended up turning out. Uh, it was another top six no-show uh, in which you know your top two lines um, pretty much didn't show up to play. Um, and you know it, it's not all coming down to the top six here. That's going to be a common theme throughout this episode. Um, Trocek, Panarin, and Lafreniere have been playing incredibly well. Uh, Panarin and Trocek have been driving pretty much all of the offense for this team all season. Um, and it's you can't rely on two, two players or a duo in your top six to carry your team throughout a season and expect to be successful. Um, good teams have contributions up and down the lineup. So uh, for this team to only be scoring pretty much exclusively five-on-five with Panarin and Trocek through the first half of the season, Uh, they were going to hit a little bit of a slide here, and hopefully other players would pick it up, in which they're not. And because of that, uh, you're seeing the side effects of this team not being able to score more than two or three goals in the past seven or eight games, I think the stat is. So um, with that being said, you know, it is a top six issue. It is a leadership issue here with this group. But Um, It can't be solely pointed to Panarin and Trocek in particular because they have been providing throughout the season and they've hit a little bit of a rough patch in which 
the rest of the top six group, quote unquote, uh, has been in a rough patch pretty much all season. So um, kind of a mix of issues here where, you know, everyone's going cold together, which is not exactly ideal for winning hockey games. So in this Vegas game, or uh, sorry, in this uh, LA game, um, the team, um, the, the bottom six played fairly well. I mean, the the line with VC has always been going as much as they can. They get a lot of defensive zone starts, and you know they end up defending in the offensive zone with some good hits, um, winning some board battles, creating pretty much creating havoc. What what you would expect from a, a good group of hockey players to do: getting to the net, crashing the net, you know, taking the puck to the net, and just kind of whacking away at rebounds, and you know, trying to score some dirty goals. That's that's what you want from you know forwards at times. It can't always be pretty. So that bottom six group has been doing that most times than not. Um, a lot of times they are doing it. Uh, there are some games where they are looking ineffective, but you could probably equate that more to the opponent that they're playing than the fact that they're not trying. So, um, you know, VC in particular has looked really good this season. Um, he's had offensive, you know, outbursts. He's scored a few goals. Uh, same with Cooley. He's that kind of player where he's a bigger body. You can see him throw the, throw the body around and make big hits and, you know, create plays with those hits, draw penalties. And that's kind of what you're looking for in your bottom six. So most nights those guys are on, uh, they're playing their brand of hockey and the penalty kill for this team has been pretty pretty good most of the season. I mean, and that's a lot of those players that are on it. So, um, you know, they're 83.3% after uh, Friday night's game, which is fifth in the league. So their penalty kill is good. The bottom six group is good. I see a lot of fans getting on Barkley Goodrow for not scoring enough or not doing enough. I mean, he's, he's playing a defensive role. He's playing it well. You need players like that. Um, not everyone can be a fancy goal scorer, so you have to have dynamics up and down the lineup. And right now, this team is a little bit top-heavy with too much skill, and it's kind of showing. Teams have figured out a way to break that down and you know use the Rangers' skills against them uh, in the terms of they don't really want to take the body and hit. They don't want to um, get away from that east-west pass, uh, which is dangerous when it hits, but when it doesn't hit, it leaves your defenseman in a tough in a tough area because either they've pinched and expected the puck to be going down towards the goal line, um, and then you're caught you know, with the other team coming back on you three on two or two on one. Uh, and uh, last time I checked, the Rangers were one of the worst bottom five teams in five on five odd man rush defense in the league. So um, it's not an area you want to be setting yourself in to be getting, um, you know, chances against like that rush chances against, but um, because of their style of play, it's going to happen more times than not. And you're asking your goaltender and your defenseman to bail you out for, you know, mistakes in the offensive zone or neutral zone that are kind of self-inflicted. And that's kind of what happened again in this uh, Kings game. Um, And, you know, it's a lack of offensive ability. You can't, you can't score goals. 
uh, you're not going to win hockey games. I know um, Lafreniere had a chance there to tie it right at the end uh, and is, continues to be snake-bitten. Uh, Lafreniere, part of that Trocek-Panarin line, can't really be held at fault other than not being able to finish and score some goals. But he, all around, he's played exceptional this season. He's having pretty much a career breakout season and something you want to see is taking steps forward for a forward um, you know, in his career and his career development. So uh, I don't particularly hold that line accountable. It's really the Panarin Kreider, or uh, sorry, the Zabanajad Kreider duo um, that are causing this team some issues and um, something that needs to be addressed pretty quickly. And it, it's a continuing theme throughout these four games this week. Um, also from the Vegas, or <laughs> the Vegas game, also from the uh, LA game, uh, Miller continues to show some struggles. Uh, again, another common theme throughout these past 10 games, 12 games or so. Um, Miller in particular on the defensive side just looks lost. You know, he's dumping the puck when he shouldn't. He's trying to handle the puck when he shouldn't. He's stick checking, not taking the body, and he's giving up on plays and back checks, which is really discouraging. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, but um, it's it's definitely discouraging to see a player pretty much not be playing to his 100%. I get you're, you're going to miss some back checks. You're going to miss some plays at some points, but it seems like every time... Miller makes a mistake, it's at a crucial point in the game, and the puck ends up in the back of their net. Um, and, you know, it's it just keeps happening game after game after game, and it's the same mistakes. And we'll see a little bit throughout the, the breakdown of these games. Um, he has spurts where he does some good things and then kind of just shuts it down and hits coast for a while, kind of like the rest of the team. So, um that's kind of the breakdown there from the LA game uh, to start out the the West Coast swing. Wasn't ideal, uh, but the team had a back-to-back with LA and Anaheim. Uh, Anaheim coming in off a of back-to-back as well. So it was a chance to, you know, get right again, start, you know, building off some positives and start trying to turn things around against the struggling Anaheim team who's um, kind of one of the worst teams in the league. You've got, you know, Anaheim, and then you follow that up with San Jose, who are probably in the bottom five um, in the league in terms of, you know, wins and creating chances and um, ability. But that being said, every game's an NHL game, and, you know, you've you've got to put your best foot forward and make sure you're engaged and locked in and winning the games you're supposed to be winning, especially as a playoff team. Okay, so that brings us to the uh, Anaheim game. Uh, that was a 5-2 win. Um, the scoreline isn't really indicative of how this game was actually played. Uh, once again, the team started out um, in the first and second period, kind of sleepwalking through this game. Um, yes, it's on the second night of a back-to-back, so it was probably a little bit of a slow start, but uh, for a team that was in the L.A. area, uh, didn't really have to travel too far. It was, you know, similar to a back-to-back in New York and New Jersey. So um, that being said, probably um, wanted to get off on a better start um, against an Anaheim team that was also playing on a back-to-back uh, and had some travel involved coming back from, I believe they were playing in San Jose the night before. So um, definitely not the start that this team was looking for um, and kind of making the same critical mistakes, bad turnovers, bad giveaways, not defending properly. Uh, they let Anaheim get out to a lead. 
Um, however, they did show a little bit of resilience. They did show a little bit of uh, care and will in which they played a solid third period. The offense looked more engaging. And uh, Will Cooley once again led the way with some physical play, drew some penalties, scored a goal. Um, and yeah, kind of took the game over a little bit in the third period, uh, especially that bottom six. And Cooley's line in particular looked particularly well and strong uh, throughout that Anaheim game. And, you know, it kind of led the way. And, um, you know, he draws the penalty uh, that leads to the uh, 3-2 goal. He also scores the goal that ties the game um and just overall was very noticeable once again uh i'm kind of shocked that peter laviolette took him off that first line and didn't really let them uh, establish an identity because at some point uh will cooley is going to be very important to this team uh both this season and moving forward and he has an opportunity to bring that physical style of play but also have the hands to be able to put in a few goals and set some goals up draw some penalties and make life a little more difficult for those those first and second line matchups that those lines are going to draw from other teams so um, I would like to see throughout this season Will Cooley get an elevated look and get a little bit more ice time to see what he can do with it. He's he's producing well for the ice time he's getting, and you know he's really not getting the ice time that I think he deserves. So looking for that moving forward, especially with some of the injury concerns that this team has and the fact that they can't find some wings that can play with Kreider, Zibanejad, or just Zibanejad in general, um, to produce a little bit more offense, produce a little bit more of a different look than it just being, you know, out there skating like Disney on ice. So, um, Cooley in particular in this Anaheim game in that third period really led this team on a charge and was playing the style of hockey that this team is going to need to play in order to start getting out of this rut and start making a push because, teams know how to game plan against this Rangers team and taking away that East-West pass and kind of sitting on it, like I was talking about last week, um, still is prevalent, you know, throughout the games this week and moving into the future here. It's It's been prevalent the last couple of seasons that that is the way they like to play and teams are not going to let them do that. So you have to come through with some different styles and Cooley and VZ in particular uh, this season, but Cooley in particular in this Anaheim game uh, did that. So they they led the play with that offensive zone, physical play, get behind the goal line, you know, battle for pucks, make some hits, um, get physical, get the other teams a little off their game and, you know, make teams defend in their own end and wear them down. Uh, that's how you start creating better offensive looks. And then you put your first and second lines out that can skill you to death and they have a little bit more open ice and open space. So it's an even balance of making sure that the team is playing physically, but, you know, not losing that skill that creates so much success there has to be a good balance and right now the balance is leaning towards one way instead of the other which is what has gotten them into this hole um both this season as well as in previous seasons and previous playoff seasons um and it just it's something that needs to get corrected pretty pretty soon in that locker room um but you see the brand of hockey that's going to give you the most success getting pucks to net, getting to the rebounds, getting rebound opportunities, and making sure you're doing the tough things that you're playing a hockey game. Um, you're not playing a skill contest. Doing those tough 
you know, dirty, greasy hockey type of, you know, moves and plays that'll end up getting you the bounces, getting you the rewards that you're looking for. So this team definitely needed two points. They pick it up. Um, they spotted themselves a hole once again that they were able to dig out of because Anaheim is not a great team. Um, so it was one of those nights where, yes, the scoreline is 5-2, but they dug themselves a huge hole in that first and second period that they had to dig out of in a third period. They had to dig deep, um, and they were able to. So the scoreline isn't really indicative of what this game actually was. Um, it was another game where the team plays 20 minutes of hockey in a 60 minute game. Um, just for this particular game, they decided to play that 20 minutes in the third period instead of the first period, like they've been over the past three or four weeks. So that being said, you get a win in Anaheim, um, your third line and fourth lines kind of lead the way. Uh, and you're off and cruising. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit better about yourself. Um, you're going into another game against San Jose uh, to end off the road trip there on the West Coast. On a little bit of a positive note, um, you start to feel like you're finding your game. Uh, Igor didn't have to be spectacular in the Anaheim game, just had to keep the puck out of the net there a little bit in the third period, which he did. Um, and it's once again one of those games where uh, the Rangers outshoot an opponent and, you know, this time they come out on the right end of it. Um, it's it's pretty alarming the fact that over the past, say, 10 games or so, you look at the shots on goal and the Rangers are almost doubling up the other team. They're not giving up too much defensively. They're getting their offensive looks. They're getting high danger looks, but they're getting goalied for the past three weeks, which is incredible that this team uh, of this much skill is getting goalied like this. And they almost did in Anaheim too. And they turned it up in the third period and were able to get a couple goals and start feeling good. So um, you definitely wanted to see that carry over into the San Jose game, which it for the most part did uh, until the third period of that San Jose game. So um, that game was a 3-2 overtime loss in which the team gave up a 2-0 lead going into the third period, uh, and they end up losing in overtime, which is shocking and you just is is unacceptable for a team that has playoff aspirations. You can't be losing games like that to a San Jose team who uh, I think the stat was they only had one, maybe they have never done it this season, come into a third period trailing and come out with a win. So um, it's a team that you, a team that the Rangers shouldn't be losing to, uh, especially at this point in the season, um, and both teams going in opposite directions. Um, you're actually almost looking at San Jose as a trade partner for getting some of their assets that they're probably going to be fire sailing at the uh, trade deadline. So it's a game that you you must win in a regular season where it's starting to spiral a little bit out of control and uh, you need points. So it was at the right point in the schedule. Unfortunately, this Rangers team couldn't take advantage, uh, kind of like the trend is the past couple of seasons. You saw it... Um, pretty much start in that uh, Eastern Conference final against Tampa Bay two years ago where the team gets up two games to none. They're up 2 nothing in the uh, going into the third period of game number three. 
uh, and they pretty much unravel and let it all slide away. Same thing happened again last year in the playoffs against New Jersey. They were up, you know, two games to none. They were up in the third game, and they let it all slip away. Now you're starting to see it slow burn throughout a regular season where they get out to a 10-point lead in the division. You know, they're up there with some of the best teams in the league, and they hit the coast button, and they just it almost looks like their care level is non-existent. They just think they can show up and win hockey games or don't even have to try at this point. And it's it's not a switch in the NHL. Every team is tough. Uh, every team has good players. Uh, you've got to come and play your best every night in order to try to get two points. And look, if they were losing games in different ways or they were losing games in, in different fashions and they were showing heart, they were trying, they were scoring goals, they were defending well, they weren't making stupid mistakes, I'd be fine with that. But the fact is they're losing games the same way every night. And the San Jose game is a good a good opportunity to show that example where you're up to nothing. You're playing really well. You're not giving San Jose a lot. You start well. You're good in the offensive zone. Um, you're making plays. Your top two lines are showing off their skill. They're making plays, scoring some goals. Um, the bottom six is making hits. They're, you know, keeping the puck in the offensive zone, defending in the offensive zone, and you're limiting offensive chances, uh, against you're limiting your rush chances against, uh, it, and, but unfortunately the same line comes up with points. You know, the first goal is Fox from Trocek and Lafreniere. So that's your second line. And your second goal is Panarin from Fox and Miller. So again, your second line. Um, Problem is you're getting offense from only one line. And that's almost unacceptable to where Zibanejad and Kreider, Zibanejad playing as your first line center has 15 goals on the season. Half of them are in the power play and he hasn't scored in the last... 12 games I think um it's just unacceptable for this point in the season for a top line center uh and yes you score two goals you're up two nothing going into a third period you probably think you're going to win that game Zabanaja doesn't have to do too much offensively but then you give up an a pretty much a stupid goal from behind your own goal line where Gustafson makes a terrible play. I don't know if the San Jose player baited him into that pass, but you give up a horrible giveaway and then uh, let in a pretty much low danger chance. I think it was a low danger chance um, from the side of the net where Shesterkin probably needs to stop that. And you let a team back into it. And then once again, they score almost 40 seconds later. So it's two goals in under a minute, which has happened nine times this season. Uh, and that is tied for third most in the league with a couple of other teams and only just behind Columbus. And I think one other team, uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, you know, you, you do it once again, you let a team back into it and then you're in a two, two hockey game and you get into overtime. Uh, yes. You get into overtime, you get the point, and then um, some of the fiasco happens in your defensive zone where San Jose is setting picks that probably should have been penalties, at least on one of them. It wasn't. And you see Zibanejad quit on the play, go pick up his stick, which probably is the right move, but his man is wide open in front of the net and he sets up the game winner. So it's just a lack of mental concentration that all unfolds in that third period and overtime against San Jose that has been the problem throughout the season and throughout these last two or three weeks, which 
is pretty identifying as to what the problem is. This team stops thinking, they stop skating, and they just throw it in cruise control and expect to win a hockey game. That being said, um, you do get a point out of the San Jose game, so you kind of keep yourself feeling good. You tell yourself on the plane ride home, yeah, you probably should have had two, but you you have one, uh, and you just kind of take it and move on. You you played a pretty good hockey game for 40 minutes, which is a step up from the 20 that they have currently been playing in recent history. So um, you take that and you run with it, and you see if you can build off it a little bit. Um, but the problem still is, is you've got a first line of Crowder and Zibanejad that aren't producing five on five. They're non-existent most nights. Uh, they're okay defensively. Again, they're, they're pretty much your top penalty kill unit. So they're, they're playing well defensively, but for a first line, you need more offense. That's, that's your offensive production line. It's not a defensive line. That's, that's what you have Goodrow and VZ and, some of those other players for they're your defensive type of line that you're not expecting more offense from you're expecting more offense from your first line and you're just not getting it right now and the second line who's been carrying this team for most of the season is going through a cold spell so somebody else has to step up and you're just not seeing it out of Kreider and Zibanejad in particular who are two of your leaders on this team they're two of the elder statesmen in the organization and most nights, Kreider's on cruise control. You don't really notice him too much. And same with Zibanejad. He's just kind of cruising around, trying to make east-west passes, not really taking the puck to the net, not doing much offensively. So those two, I keep insisting, need to be split up. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you you have to do it. Um, if you're Peter Laviolette, you have to be considering it at this point. Um, I don't care how good that Trocek, Panarin, Lafreniere line has been. The team is top-heavy. And you've only got one line scoring, so that's not good enough. I, I don't care how good that second line has been offensively. You have to look into creating you know, balanced scoring throughout your lineup, and you have to start breaking lines up. Uh, it's been almost you know, three-quarters of a season here where you're, you haven't really touched the forward lines except due to injury. So it's, it's probably time to break up some of those, you know, long duos that you've had together and see if you can spark some kind of change in this lineup. Uh, that also being said, coming out of the San Jose game and into the Las Vegas game uh, on Friday night, uh, Peter Laviolette decided he was going to break up his defensive pairings. Um, and probably rightfully so. Unfortunately, he didn't break up Miller and Trubo, which I think is the pair that probably needs to be broken up the most. I think Miller needs to kind of get away from those top defensive assignments and kind of just work through whatever struggles he's going through. Truba's been fine. You know, I see a lot of fans getting on him, but he's he's been fine. Uh, his defensive partners hung him out to dry a little bit, and for whatever reason, fans just want to hate on Truba and ignore the fact that Miller's been a turnover machine and has been extremely lazy, which was prevalent in the uh, Vegas game on Friday night. 
So speaking of that uh, Vegas game on Friday night, uh, it's uh, first home game after a long road trip team was on the West Coast for about a week or so, and you're looking for the team to come out flying, come out on the right foot, try to change momentum a little bit here, change momentum both from the past week and to kind of right the ship and turn the season around a little bit here. Uh, you're looking for a, a group of experienced players, playoff players that you know, know how to play in these type of situations, turn your season around, start getting back to basics, just try to do that for one game here and get feeling a little bit better. And for the first period, it looked like a different team than you've seen in the past couple of weeks. Everyone was engaged physically. You saw Panarin throwing some hits. Schneider was throwing some big hits. Cooley was throwing hits down below the goal line. Um, the defensemen were pinching exceptionally well. Uh, Truba had a ton of shots on net, and it just looked like a team in the first period that was going to dominate their way to at least get something out of this game positive. I can't say they were going to win it, but you know, at least get something positive out of this. Um, you give up a goal uh, in which I, I don't really fault Igor for too much, uh, and you're down one nothing, but. After that goal in the first period that Vegas scores, this team kind of got a fire lit under them, and they they went and they attacked. Uh, I don't think Vegas had much offensive opportunities in the first period except for that one goal. I think they had like four shots on net. Um, and, you know, they only had 19 shots on goal for the entire game. So it's not like the Rangers are playing poor defensively and giving up a ton of looks and a ton of chances like they have in the past where you're giving up 40 shots on net. Um, but you know, you give up that first goal. It was, it was a good goal that Vegas scored. Um, it was off a bit of a turnover and a broken play a little bit, but, um, you know, they, they score that first goal. So you're, you dug yourself a little bit of a hole, but you do have the momentum. You've been playing well all period. Uh, and you go back out and you get the goal right back almost a minute later, uh, which was nice to see. Um, and you know, you're, you're playing hard for that whole, uh, that whole first period, which you need to do. You need to come out and play incredibly well and try to dig yourself out of this funk that you've been in by playing good hockey and playing hard, meaningful shifts. You know, one shift at a time and make sure you're digging deep and doing everything you can. So you get that goal back. Uh, Blake Wheeler scores the goal. Um, and, you know, that's good for him. He definitely needs some of the uh, positive momentum going his way. He gets thrown back onto that first line with Kreider and Zibanejad, which, once again, I'm not really sure why LaViolette has an issue breaking up Zibanejad and Kreider. Uh, he does. I don't know if that's a player choice, which it probably is. They, they've got that little bromance thing going, which is probably hurting this team, but is what it is. Okay. Um you know, so you throw Wheeler back out there on that first line in a spot in which I want to see Cooley get an opportunity to just try it. But, you know, Wheeler gets his opportunity once again, and he looks good. You know, it's one of those games where he, like the rest of the team, is Jekyll and Hyde. Some nights he looks incredible. Some nights he, you can't even find him. So uh, this was one of the nights where he looked good. He was engaged, at least in this first period, with the rest of the team. Uh, he puts the puck in. Um, it's a great shot. It's kind of, you know, uh, probably a save that uh, Aiden Hill should have made. Um, but, you know, you get your team back into it. You're in a 1-1 game. 
Uh, it's 1-1 after the first period, and you, you've got yourself a hockey game and against you know a team that you probably should be beating with all the injuries that they have, but they're still a good Vegas team, uh, you know, defending cup champions, and they've they've started off well. They they aren't as great on the road, so you know you're looking to just kind of build off that first period, and you're doing everything the right way. You're making hits, you're making plays, you're defending well, you're not giving up many opportunities, you're not giving up any odd man rushes. Um, you're pinching well and you know you're playing as a group of five it it looks like communication was on and then you know this team gets into the second period and once again decides that they can just try to coast it and play some lazy hockey and get away with an easy one Um, for whatever reason this leadership group thinks that's okay Uh, it's happened time and time and time again where you think this team's about to turn a corner, they're playing hard, they're playing aggressive hockey, and they're making plays, they're they're doing it the right way, which is not always the easiest way, but the right way, and then they decide to turn it off and just try to lazy their way through another game, uh, in which probably they think they're going to win and score a ton of goals and make all these cool passes, and it plays right into Vegas's hands. Um, you give up two goals again in 50 or 60 seconds, uh, and that's pretty much it. You're down into a 3-1 hole. Uh, Shesterkin looks terrible once again. Uh, that second goal was all on him. That's got to be stopped. Um, the first and third goals, probably not so much, but that second goal has to be a save, and that's just deflating on the bench when you see that happen again um, on a bench that's already probably deflated. So the Vegas game is a culmination once again, kind of like the San Jose game and the, you know, pretty much every game here in January where you've only won four of them um, to where this team is just playing lazy, lazy hockey. And I'm, I would have to imagine Peter Laviolette, a coach that preaches discipline, preaches hard work is just, you know, infuriated with and, uh, you know, it starts to bring in the concern of, is this the right core for the job? Uh, is this group of core players the players you want in a playoff series to try to get the job done? And my ultimate answer there is no. I don't, I don't think that this core group of players is one that can play those tough, dirty, greasy games. Um, for whatever reason, I, I don't know what switch flipped. But it happens. You see spurts of it. Yes, this team looks good for 20 minutes. They play hard. They play sound hockey. And they play the hard way, which is the right way, like I said. Um, and then they decide, well, we're done with that. We're, we're too lazy for that. So let's switch it off and try to coast here for a while and see if we can score a pretty goal or two and deflate the other team. And sometimes it works, uh, they get away with it, but most of the times it's not going to work. And we're starting to see that turn here in the, in the, the last, you know, five, six weeks, pretty much since that Carolina game all the way back, um, in early January, to where teams know what's going to happen. They know this Rangers team is going to collapse like a house of cards. They know that they're just going to keep trying to force that east-west pass anywhere on the ice they can. You know, you see Panarin stop at his defensive blue line and try to make that play. Stop. Keep skating the puck out of your own zone and make that play deeper in the offensive zone, and you won't have a terrible turnover that comes back and in the back of your net. It's just it's simple, basic hockey that this team refuses to play, 
And it hasn't changed for two to three coaches now. It, that's two to three coaching staffs. First, it was, you know, David Quinn wasn't, wasn't the right guy, which I agree with. He was a coach that was a developmental coach. He did his job. He served his purpose. He was probably done anyway. Then you get Gerard Gallant in, who is a top-tier coach, whether people want to say it or not. He probably lost the room a little bit, yes. Um, he does you know, have an expiration date, which is relatively quick. We've seen that throughout his stops in the NHL. But, you know, it's a it's a group of core players that quit on another coaching staff. And then you bring Peter Laviolette in, who is a little bit of the same type of coach, um, but bringing more structure, more work ethic, harder work ethic. And once again, this team just doesn't want to play that style. They want to play how they want to play. They go out on the ice. They make those tic-tac passes, those cross-ice passes. They're looking for seam passes anywhere they can. They're not playing a straight line north-south style of hockey like Peter Laviolette keeps preaching. Um, you do see it out of that third and fourth line for most of the night, and those are the two lines that are most noticeable. And shockingly, um, they're playing hockey the right way, and that's how other teams are beating this Rangers team. They're creating rush chances because they know that's where this team lacks. They're getting the puck in deep, and they're beating the heck out of defensemen. You see Lindgren get hurt again last night on a hit. Um, Schneider's taking a beating. Gustafson's coughing the puck up under pressure. Um, it's just the lack of details that this Rangers team is exhibiting is unfathomable. Um, especially with the coaching staff they've put together. So at some point, you've got to stop blaming the coaches. you got to stop blaming the coaching staff. They're not on the ice. They're not playing the game. It's it's up to the players to execute a game plan here. And you've seen the game plan. You saw it work for a majority of the first half of the season. You Specifically, those first you know, 10, 15 games where this team is playing a lockdown defense, and getting their opportunities and playing the right way and playing hard physical minutes. Um, they've kind of quit on that style for whatever reason. And at some point, it's on this group of players. It's on this leadership's core to figure it out. Uh, you see other captains and other leaders throughout the league um, you know, calling teammates out, calling teams out when it's warranted. And... You know, you hate to see it, but at the same time, this team has been struggling for seven weeks. I want to see one of these players call the team out and just say it's been a piece of garbage and, you know, try to light a fire under that locker room. I, I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's just because of the makeup and chemistry that this group has, but um, it's definitely something that needs to be addressed, whether it's at the trade deadline or in the offseason to where you have to send a little bit of a shake up to that room to say this hasn't been good enough and you know we need to play a certain style of hockey um, that is going to be winning playoff style hockey because that's the ultimate goal. Uh, winning in the regular season is different than winning in the playoffs and in order to win in the playoffs you have to play that physical hard-nosed style of hockey where teams are going to defend well, take away that east-west pass and once they do that for this Rangers team, as you've seen in this regular season and in past postseasons, uh, they don't know how to score. They don't know what to do with the puck, and it ends up being a turnover and in the back of your net on a two-on-one. So it's all issues that need to get fixed. I don't know if there's an easy way to fix it right now. Um, you've got to look at making some trades, and it's probably going to be some hard trades in the offseason that 
the fan base is going to question once again, but it's going to be the right moves. Um, I saw somewhere a couple of people were talking about, you know, the Marion Gabrick trade back in 2012 or 2011, whatever year that was, um, maybe 2013, uh, where you bring in, you ship out Gabrick, who was your top goal scorer. He was one of your offensive pieces, but, you know, wasn't the style of play that you want. And you bring in Rick Nash and Derek Broussard and those players that end up being key players for some playoff runs that play a different brand of power forward hockey and scoring hockey. And, you know, Broussard being pretty much a goal scorer at that point, a sniper. And Rick Nash being one of the best power forwards in the game. That's That's kind of the trade you're going to be looking at where you're sending away a really good top quality player, but you're getting a very good player back that plays a different style of hockey. Um, And that's kind of what you're going to be looking for. And what I would hope that this organization is willing to do to make the team better, because ultimately it's, you know, the team on the front of the Jersey, not the player in the back that you're rooting for. And everyone wants a Stanley cup and that's, probably what this is going to take to shake up this core group of players, that locker room just a little bit um, to get a different dynamic in there and a different dynamic on the ice that is more prone to crashing the net, getting pucks to the net, getting bodies to the net, stirring it up a little bit, but not sacrificing the skill that you've already built. So uh, it's not a quick fix. It's not an easy fix. Um, it, it in the short term, you definitely need some players to start playing a little bit harder. Um, it just seems like this team wants to hit cruise control as early as they can and just skate through games. So we've seen this team and this group in particular be able to do it without any of those trades or moves that I just talked about. They have the ability to at least put together some form of effort to dig themselves out of this. We've seen it earlier this season. They have the capability to do it. Um, It may not be innate to them. It may not be like first nature um, to play that brand of hockey, but it's, it's something that they're going to have to do to dig themselves out of this little rut here. And you look for it to start here uh, Saturday night against Ottawa, a team that's been struggling mightily. Um, But they do play that brand of hockey. That's hard. They have uh, one of the Kachuk brothers, and, you know, they, they have a top line with Tarasenko, who's always always a threat, as we saw last season, to score. So they, once again, it's one of those teams you should beat, but you have to show up to beat them. It's, it's an NHL-quality team. They're going through some injuries, some coaching issues. Um, and it's, it's a game that this team has to win going into the All-Star break, uh, feeling good about themselves, get some rest and recovery on the all-star break, and then show up back in early February ready to go. And it's, you know, the push for the playoffs is on. Um, I said a couple episodes ago, it's pretty much all about the playoffs. Now you've lost enough games to where you're not solidly locked into the playoffs anymore. It's not a write-in. Um, it probably mathematically, you know, is, but... It's not comfortable anymore. They have a two-point lead over Carolina in the division. Um, Philly has gone into a little bit of a tailspin, but they're they're right there. Um, you know, just a couple points back. Uh, and then the Islanders and Devils, you have a little bit of a cushion over, but you have a lot of games against both of those teams coming up. So, you know, there's four-point games there, which can swing the tide for sure. So it's definitely not comfortable. Um 
And you've got to start getting back onto a winning streak here and into at least playing the right way. Wins will come when you start playing the right way. So with that said, it's it's definitely a tough time here. Um, you're coming up on the trade deadline where you hope that this team hangs around long enough to be able to make a trade to help them get better. Um, Drury may have to try to shake this team up a little bit earlier than the trade deadline, bring somebody in to kind of right the ship, but it all depends on these next five games, how this team shows up and wants to play. Um, so yeah, with that, we're headed into the all-star break here. We'll, uh, record an episode next week, hopefully on some, some all-star break musings and um, some different things going on in the NHL. And we'll look forward to coming back after the all-star game and all-star break and hopefully the team's rejuvenated and ready to go. So with that, uh, we'll end the episode here and thanks for listening as always.